Well, good morning. As Cameron said, my name is Ben Krause. I'm the Noblesville campus pastor, and I don't know about you, but it makes me uncomfortable every time Cameron says that Kevin Russell is a sweetheart. Uh, That is just awkward to me. He said it to Kevin in the office last week, and it made Kevin pretty awkward, too. Hey, would you guys do me a favor? If you you know Kevin, and you've got his cell number, and I'm not going to give it to you, but if you have his cell number, and you could go to one of these pictures that Cameron made, uh, put his face on that prayer poster, would you take a picture of that and text it to him just so he knows you saw it? He is really self conscious about his picture being on that prayer poster. And uh, if you would do that, I just know he would be blessed by that immensely. So I already did it twice this morning if you want to join with me. You know, one of the great things about being one church in two locations is the opportunity that we have as a teaching team to move around and to preach in a different environment, and I'm really thankful that I get to be here with you all this morning. Your campus pastor, Steve Wallen, is over in Noblesville teaching this morning, and uh, like I say, I'm just so thankful I get to be here with you today. I know that for a lot of you with kids, uh, summer is coming to an end for my Noblesville uh, folks. Summer ends officially next Monday when the kids go back to school. I think Carmel and Westfield still has about two weeks left, but parents... Are you ready for your kids to go back to school? Is it time? I know the kids are all really excited about it. They can't get, wait to get back to their studies. They've been dreaming all summer long about the day when they'll get to sit in that classroom again. And kids, if you're in here right now, I just want you to know your dreams are about to come true, okay? It's coming. When it comes to schooling, I wonder if you've heard these reports that Japanese children consistently score higher on standardized math tests than American children. Have you heard those kinds of reports? Well, there were uh, uh, some researchers who wanted to find out why that was the case. They They refused to believe that Japanese children were just inherently smarter than American students. And so if it's not just that they're inherently smarter, why is it that they do so much better on these tests? So they put together an experiment with some really difficult puzzles. And they had the Japanese students work on these puzzles. They had the American students work on these puzzles. And and here's what they found. They found that the Japanese children displayed one quality uh, that the American children didn't really display to as great of a measure. And that display, that quality was persistence. On average, an American child attempting one of the difficult puzzles would try for about nine and a half minutes before giving up. And the Japanese students, they, they stayed at it for about 14 minutes, so about 50% longer uh, that they worked at these puzzles. And so by the very fact that they worked at it longer, uh, they did better at solving the problems. So they were more persistent. As it turns out, persistence, even more than intelligence, may be the key to success, at least when it comes to math. But there's a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. Has anyone here read uh, that book, Outliers? Your campus pastor uh, has read it. And, uh, and in that book, uh, it suggests that, that this uh, area of persistence applies to much more than just math. Um, the Uh, The author, Gadwell, studies extraordinary people, people like Bill Gates, people like the Beatles, people uh, who are extremely successful in some area of their life. And in case after case, what he finds in his research is that in order to be extremely good at something, he calls it world-class, in order to be world-class at something, it takes about 10,000 hours over a lifetime of practicing your craft. That's a lot of time. And what does 10,000 hours of practice require? Well, it requires passion. I mean, you can't do anything for that amount of time if you don't absolutely love it. It also uh, requires that you have the opportunity. You've got to have the time and the availability to pour, you know, that much effort into something. And if you're going to do anything for that length of time, you're going to have to have persistence. There's going to be moments when you feel like giving up, times uh, when you're going to want to throw in the towel and quit. But those are the times when world-class people display persistence. 
And so I want to ask you this morning, are you a naturally persistent person? You know, are, are you the kind of person who, no matter what comes your way, no matter what obstacle or difficulty, you keep pressing on and pushing through? Is persistence a quality that you possess? Maybe displaying persistence is difficult for you. Maybe you notice a pattern in your life of quitting sooner than you should or, or sooner than you would like to. Maybe you see that play out in your work life or, or maybe in your, your marriage, maybe in, in other relationships or with your kids, maybe even when it comes to this area of prayer. And as Cameron mentioned earlier, we're in this series right now called The Circle Maker, and we've been looking at this topic of prayer. And I hope that over the last couple of weeks, if you've been here, uh, that you found this helpful for your prayer life. I hope that these are some things that you've begun to put into practice, that you've moved into some new patterns and some new consistency when it comes to your prayers. And I hope that you're discovering a new passion to pray as you recognize that God is your loving Heavenly Father, that He desires communication with His children. Well, this morning, we're going to look at what it means to be persistent in our prayers. And the main text that I want to look at this morning is Luke chapter 18. So if you brought your Bible, you can turn there. Luke chapter 18. Uh, Jesus is going to tell a story, and this story is called a parable. If you've been around Genesis very long, you've heard us say this before, that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So the things uh, that happen in this story, the events, they didn't actually happen. It's an illustration, but it points us to a bigger truth about God or about his kingdom. And through this parable, we're going to see that God desires persistence in our prayers. Let's read it together. Luke 18, starting in verse 1. And uh, I'm going to read through, but I'm going to stop throughout and just kind of give some background and some context to what we're reading. So Luke 18, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Let's pause right there. Now, sometimes when Jesus would tell a parable, uh, people were left scratching their heads. They walked away not knowing what he was talking about, but that's not the case in this parable. This parable is like one of those books for dummies. Do you know what I'm talking about? They have all different kinds of books for dummies, something uh, that you don't know anything about, and this is going to explain it for you. Well, that's what this parable, uh, the start of this parable is like one of those books for dummies. It tells us exactly why Jesus is telling this story. No guesswork involved. It's so that we will know that we should all Always pray and never give up. And as we read the rest of this parable, I want you to keep that in mind because that's the lens that we need to understand this story through. Okay? Verse 2. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Now think about that statement for a minute. That's huge. If you neither fear God nor care about people, who are you really in it for? You're just looking out for yourself, right? I mean, you're in it for your own benefit, your own comfort, and that's what we know to be true about this judge. He neither feared God nor cared what people thought. He was only looking out for number one. Verse three, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. So in her character number two in the story, she's a widow, her husband has died, and she's seeking justice against some adversary. We don't know who he is or what he's doing to this woman, but what we do know is that she's not taking matters into her own hands. She's seeking the help of this judge who, again, is really only interested in helping himself. Verse 4, it says, For some time he refused, speaking of the judge. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. So we find that the, the widow's in a desperate situation. She needs the help of the judge, and initially he has complete disregard for her situation. He couldn't care less. 
but she doesn't give up. She's persistent. She comes back again and again. Verse 5 says, because she keeps bothering me. It's like uh, she's a fly that you swat at, but it just keeps coming back and coming back. And, and the judge is afraid that if he doesn't give her justice, he's, he's afraid of what she might do to him. And there again, the judge is really only looking out for himself. He doesn't want this widow to come and attack him. He's tired of being bothered by her. And so finally, he gives in to her requests, and he gives her what she wants. Now, there's a danger in reading this parable that we might hear that, and and then we might think, okay, well, that must be what God is like. If I'm persistent enough, if I bother him enough, I can wear him out, and he'll give in, and I'll get what I want. But he's just doing it because he's annoyed with me, and he really just wants me to go away. And that is really not what this story is about. Praying persistently is not about annoying God until he finally just gives in to us. As you read this story, maybe you think that you're the widow and and God is the judge. But Jesus makes it clear that that is not the case. He doesn't say God is like that judge. In fact, look at verse 6. It says, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Jesus is saying that if this judge who doesn't fear God or care about people, if he will eventually give in just to be done with this woman, just to make her shut up, then how much more will a God who loves you and who cares about you, how much more will he take delight in answering your prayers? So don't give up. Keep on praying. God is not annoyed with you. He's not an irritated judge acting out of frustration. He is our loving Heavenly Father, and He desires for us to come to Him and to keep coming to Him with our prayers. And here's what I want you to remember about this parable. If you're taking notes, it's not enough to pray for something. You need to pray through it. It's not enough to pray for something. You need to pray through it. Here's the thing about persistent prayers. This isn't about being the annoying child in the back seat of the car saying, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Some of you who are parents know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like being, uh, listening to a broken record. But so many times we find ourselves asking God the same questions over and over again. God, when are you going to heal this sickness? When are you going to give us a baby? God, when are you going to find me a man, find me a woman, find me a roommate, find me a job? Whatever it is. But that's not praying through. Praying through is about patience. It's about waiting on God's timing. It's about recognizing that he knows what you need before you even know what to ask for. It's about praying confidently to a God who always keeps his promises. It's about taking every new piece of information and saying, Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do to this? In light of your great faithfulness, in light of what your word has to say, give me strength, give me wisdom, give me understanding. What's your plan and what do you want me to do? What's my next move? Even when it seems like you're not getting answers, you don't give up. You keep praying through, even when it doesn't make sense. Because remember, Steve talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The whole backdrop to our prayer life is the knowledge that God is for us. He sent his one and only son to die on a cross so that we could spend eternity with him. We were all dead and lost in our sins. But the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He's talking about Jesus Christ, his one and only son. And he loved the world so much that he sent his son to die for us. And we have got to know that a God who loves us that much wants to hear from us. 
He wants to know the desires of our hearts. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us that he cares for us. He wants us to cast all our anxieties on him. Are you being faithful to that? Have you been persistent in your prayers? Are you praying through the difficult seasons or the difficult situation that you find yourself in? And some of you are answering that question, yeah. Yeah, I've been persistent in my prayer. I've been faithful to praying through, you know, whatever the situation is. I've been patient, but I still, I just don't feel like I'm getting any answers. I don't have clarity. It's like God's not hearing me. And I want to take just a moment to talk to those of you who feel that way. If you've ever felt like God just isn't listening or he's not answering your prayers, I want to talk to you. So if, uh, if you always get your prayers answered, you can just tune out for a minute, eat your bagel, color on your program, whatever. But uh, if you feel like God's not listening or he's not answering, I want to talk to you for a minute. Do you know that scripture actually tells us several things that can hinder our prayers to God? We've included a list of verses on the notes page of your program, and I want you all to uh, take a look at that, uh, and I, w- I want to talk about this. We don't have time to cover them all today, but I want to highlight a couple of those. If you feel like you've been praying and nothing is happening, it may be time to explore some of these and to ask God to reveal anything that might be hindering his response to your prayers. Let me give you just an example. One of the best-known verses in Scripture about prayer is Second Chronicles 7.14, and it says this, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And people quote this verse and they say, well, Christians just need to pray more. That's what we need to do. We just need to pray. God said, if my people will just pray. But that's not all God said. He says, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves That's the first thing he says. We've got to be humble. And so maybe the question becomes, God, is there an area of my life where pride has crept in? It says if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Are you seeking God's face? Are you pursuing him with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength? Is there an area of your life where you're pursuing something, you know, uh, harder than you're pursuing the Lord? It says if they will turn from their wicked ways, is there any wickedness that that has found a home inside of us? Is there maybe a sin pattern in your life that you've ignored? David prayed to God in the Psalms. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And maybe like David, it's time for us to ask God to search our hearts and to see if there's anything offensive to him in the way that we've been living. Ask him to reveal it. And God says, then... Then, so after we've humbled ourselves, after we've prayed, after we've sought him, after we've turned from our sin, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive sin and I will heal the land. Is there something that's hindering your prayers to God? Let me show you another one, another example from the book of Philippians. It's another well-known passage. And I have to be honest here, this is an example from my own life. There was a season this past winter where I went through uh, just some difficult circumstances. I was feeling very overwhelmed with life, and I was even battling some depression. And in the midst of that, I was praying the prayer, God, just give me the peace that goes beyond understanding. You've maybe heard that before. It's a, a Bible verse that talks about that God will give us the peace that goes beyond understanding. And I was persistently praying that verse, but I wasn't feeling that peace. 
And, and so then I just started praying about that. God, why am I not feeling that, that peace? And I started studying his word. And God brought me to Philippians 4, 7, where that passage is found. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the part that we know and we quote, right? You've maybe heard people say that or, or pray it before. But look at what verses 4 through 6 say. Right before that verse that we know and quote, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the realization for me was that you cannot separate verse 7 from verses 4 through 6. They go together. It's all part of one package. So many times we want the promises of Scripture without putting into practice what Scripture is calling us to. And you know what I realize now? In my overwhelmed state, I wasn't rejoicing. I, just, I wasn't rejoicing in the Lord. I was bowing down to defeat and to depression. Verse 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. My wife would never tell you this because she's a, a gracious woman, but I'm sure I, I wasn't being gentle in those days. I'm sure I was easily irritated, easily angered. It says the Lord is near. So many times in difficult situations, we act like God is nowhere to be found, and he doesn't care. Verse 6 says, don't be anxious, but instead present your requests with thanksgiving. How many of you, in the midst of really difficult circumstances, take time to recount all of the ways that God has been faithful to you and to offer thanks for that? As I've been reading through the New Testament, um, it's, it's just been striking me how many times uh, the New Testament authors talk about this topic of thankfulness. I think there's a lot of power in our, our thankful prayers to God because it's really hard to be anxious, you know, depressed, overwhelmed when we're taking time to thank God for all of the ways he's been faithful to us. There's power in that. And if you've been living without the peace of God in your life and you've been persistently praying for it, don't stop. That's not the part that you've gotten wrong. But are you rejoicing in the midst of that? Are you recognizing that God is near? Are you, are you offering him thanksgiving for the ways that he's been faithful to you? And are you consistently and persistently presenting those prayers to God? That's what leads to the peace that goes beyond understanding. And if you find yourself feeling like your prayers are not being answered, I want to challenge you to take some time this week, maybe even today, to take that program home with you and to read through it and to ask the Lord to search your heart and just, Lord, would you just show me if there's something in my life that is hindering my prayers to you or your response to me, would you show that to me? And read through that list. Maybe something will pop out and it'll just be like a light bulb going off. And take care of that. It may just hold the key to unlocking your prayers. All right, I want to go back to the story of the widow, back to Luke chapter 18, because there's one more truth that I think we can pull from that text uh, to help us in this area of prayer. Jesus closes the parable in a very interesting way. If you were following along in your Bible, you know that I stopped halfway through verse 8. Well, I want to read you the second half of verse 8. This is Luke 18, uh, 8b, I guess is what we'll call it. It says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So Jesus has explained that if the unjust judge is able to offer justice, then how much more will our loving and caring Heavenly Father uh, not offer uh, justice to those of us who cry out to him? But then he asks this question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What does that mean? Well, there comes a time for each and every one of us when we will find ourselves in a desperate situation. 
Actually, for most of us, we'll have multiple occurrences in our lives when we find ourselves in those desperate situations. And in those moments, there's a choice that we have to make. We can either run from God and take matters into our own hands, or we can run toward God and lay it at his feet. Again, it's First Peter 5, 7. It's laying all of our cares, all of our anxieties at our feet and just recognizing that he cares about us. Those are our two choices. For the widow, this was the time. She was being treated unfairly, and she was desperate, but she didn't give up. She was persistent, and she kept going back. She kept asking, kept laying her request at the feet of the judge. And in the midst of desperate circumstances, do you find yourself persistent, running toward your heavenly Father, recognizing that he has the power to overcome any circumstance, but he also has the power to sustain you through any circumstance? Or do you walk away? Do you stop praying? Do you deal with it your own way? Here's the thing. When we stop praying, we forfeit the chance to lay claim to some of the best promises of Scripture. And that's too bad because it's when we're at the end of our rope and don't know where else to turn, that that's when God can best show himself faithful and come through in some really amazing ways. But will we be faithful to pray through it? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find us faithfully pursuing him, the only one who can sustain us? Are you finding yourself more and more desperate for God, more and more desperate for time with him, recognizing that without him, everything falls apart? You know, I don't think it's any secret, uh, at least at my campus, that I enjoy hunting. And I know that there are some of you here this morning who are animal lovers. I want you to know that I am too. I just love them differently than you do. And uh, I hope that we can still be friends. But from the beginning of September until about the first week in January, I am on the lookout for opportunities to go to the woods. That's deer season in Indiana. And I love being in the woods. I love seeing deer in their element. I love uh, being out there, trying to outsmart them, trying to be in the right place at the right time. They're extremely intelligent uh, creatures, and they're, they're beautiful to watch. Well, there's a psalm that has really come into new light for me in the midst of hunting deer. It's Psalm 42, and verses 1 two, through, through 2 says, uh, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And in 2012, I was living in Michigan, and that summer was an extremely hot and dry summer. And in those hot and dry conditions, a midge, a small biting fly, flourished. And this midge carried a disease called epizootic hemorrhagic disease. It's called EHD for short. And what would happen is the midge carrying EHD would bite a white-tailed deer. And, uh, and the deer's temperature would spike. It would get an extremely high fever. And that high fever would drive the deer toward water. The, the deer wanted to get in the water, get the water inside of itself to try to bring that fever and try to bring that temperature down. And in the hunting season of 2012, Michigan hunters went into the woods and they experienced a stench like they had never smelled before. It was the smell of thousands of deer, white-tailed deer, rotting and decaying in the woods. I came up on one such deer that had made it to a small stream and it had collapsed just before it got to the water and it died there. In Ionia County, the county just north of where I live, the last number I saw was over 6,000 dead deer in that one county alone. And so when I hear a passage about a deer panting for streams of water, the picture that comes into my mind is not a Hallmark card with a doe and her fawn walking on green pastures next to a babbling brook. The picture that comes to 
my mind is a picture of a deer in a life and death situation. A deer who knows if he does not find the source, if he does not find the water, if he doesn't get his body in the water and get the water into himself, it's all over. It's life and death. And I wonder this morning, are you approaching God that same way? Are you approaching prayer in that same way? The psalmist says, my soul thirsts for God. When can I go and meet with him? I need him. There's nothing else that can satisfy. There's nothing else that I desire. Is that how you feel about meeting with the Lord today? And when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He's asking the question, will you be persistent? Will you pray through it? Will you be faithful in casting all your anxieties on God? Trust that he is the only thing that will satisfy. He has the power to overcome any circumstance or to sustain you through it. Or have you given up? Is there something that you've prayed for, but it, but it went unanswered for so long that you feel like God's just not listening, or maybe you think he can't do anything about it, so you've given up? I want to suggest to you this morning that there may be a prayer that you need to resurrect. There may be a prayer that you have prayed in the past that, that you need to resurrect. Maybe it's a prayer to heal your marriage, but it feels like it's too late. You don't want to give up, but, but you feel like just the way it's headed, that it's, it's, it's just inevitable where this is going. Maybe it's time to resurrect that prayer, and maybe it's time to pray through it. Maybe it's a, a prayer you've, you've been praying that God would give you a child, and you can't understand why all your friends are getting pregnant, sometimes even by accident, but, but you can't seem to, to get pregnant. You're praying, you're crying out to God, and nothing's happened. Maybe you've given up, and maybe it's time to resurrect that prayer and pray through it. Maybe you have a rebellious child. You know, they've made some poor decisions. Maybe they've gone off the rails. They're running with the wrong crowd, and maybe you've just thrown your hands in the air, and you've given up. Maybe it's time to resurrect that prayer and to pray through it. And maybe it's time to pray, thankfully, that your Heavenly Father didn't give up on you when you were in rebellion toward Him. Maybe it's something with your finances. You feel like you can't get ahead. The collectors are calling. You need to pray through that. If you've given up on God's provision, maybe it's time to resurrect that prayer. Be faithful in your finances. Just pray, God, you know, find me faithful with what you've given me. Find me faithful for that next step. Here's what I want to encourage you with this week. God is waiting to hear from you, and he is looking for the chance to prove himself faithful to you. But will he find faithfulness in you? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find it in you? Will he find it in me? For some of you, it's time to lay down whatever you've been carrying on your own and to run back to your Father, to be persistent in your prayers, to acknowledge that he has the strength to overcome any circumstance, that he is is your portion forever. He is all you need. And we can run back to him because God has made the first move toward us. He loved me enough that even when I rebelled, he was still pursuing me. Even when I looked the other way, he sacrificed for me. His word tells me that it was while I was still in sin, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And through the blood of Jesus Christ and through his death, we have been reconciled to God. And through his resurrection, we have hope for life eternal. This morning, we have a chance to to celebrate that today. We're going to take communion together. And uh, I want to invite you, even if Genesis Church isn't your home, if you've submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to be a part of taking communion with us today. We have tables set up in the front and also in the back. There are two cups stacked together. There's juice in the top and bread in the bottom. I want to invite you in just a moment to come to take one of those stacks of cups, take it back to your seat, and you can take those elements in your own time. I want to invite you to do something else, though. 
as you're reflecting on the sacrifice that Christ made on your behalf and and you're reflecting on the hope that you have through his death and through his resurrection, I want to encourage you that maybe taking communion today is also a marker in your life. That maybe today it's a marker to resurrect that dead prayer, to be persistent and to be faithful in that prayer. What was it that came to your mind? That, That you would mark today as the day that you said, God, I gave up too soon. I threw my hands up in the air too soon. I I didn't think you were big enough. I didn't think you were strong enough. Lord, I repent of that today and that this would mark that change for you. I'm gonna pray for us and uh, Cam and the team are gonna sing through a song. I just want you to listen to those words. I think they're gonna set our hearts and our minds uh, in a posture of worship and response. But once I pray, I just invite you to come to take the elements and to reflect on the sacrifice Christ has made for you. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much this morning for your sovereignty in all circumstances. Lord, that you are faithful, that you are good. God, in spite of our our, uh, difficulties, in spite of the obstacles and the circumstances that we find ourselves in, that we can turn to you knowing that you care for us, that we can cast all of our anxieties on you, and that in your time, you will lift us up. That there's a day coming, Father, with no more pain, no more struggles, no more worries. And that we can, we can boldly and with confidence say that that day is ours in Jesus Christ. Father, that's what this time of communion is all about, is remembering the sacrifice that he made on our behalf so that we could lay claim to that promise. And Lord, I, t- I pray that today this time of communion would be uh, even more than that but that maybe for some of us today who have thrown our hands up and walked away, Lord, that this would be a time just of recommitting to you. That, God, we recognize that you are the strength of our heart. You are our portion forever. As the deer pants for those streams of water, God, we are desperate for you. We are desperate for your touch. We are desperate for your presence. We desire it more than anything, Lord. And we just mark this day as a day that we turn our faces back towards you and walk back towards you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you for taking that first step towards us through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. In your time, come and take the elements.